textbooks um, technically, right? But then today we're going to be speaking to Jan uh, Mohanwa. He's national leader of Citizens, and he joins me now on the line. Uh, Jan, thank you so much for joining us. I really, really appreciate your time. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Aubrey, for the time, and good evening to your listeners. I was intrigued when I saw that your party is a non-member platform. What does that mean? Uh, I ask this because we, you know, we have a particular political uh, tradition here in South Africa of, of political parties trying to gain the popular vote, trying to get as many people to be members and supporters. Uh, what is Citizens all about? So, Aubrey, the idea is that, um, you know, the uh, politics in South Africa driven by political parties have only been able to get us so far. And uh, what is continued to be worrying is a declining level of civic activism. So, uh, you know, you can argue that as soon as the ANC got into power, one of the interesting things that happened is you saw the death of civil, civil, civic organizations, right? Uh, and in many ways, uh, civic organizations should equally be, you know, be able to be credited for the transition of 1994. So the idea behind citizens is how does, how can each one of us, wherever you are, you know, the idea that you have to be waiting to be a member of a political party before you can make a difference, uh, we think that's misplaced. South Africa is going to be in safe hands. The more people take action. So we have, we've modeled this. We call it a more inclusive Afri Forum. Uh, and of course, Afri Forum has got membership fee. Uh, but for us, it is just how to get more South Africans to play a role wherever they are. We did see a decline in, in the, in the civil society space, uh, following uh, the um, following the ANC's takeover power in 1994, many of them were co-opted into that political space. Definitely agree uh, as far as that is concerned. My question, though, is um, you seem to be suggesting that your model is the same as that of Afri Forum. But every forum would uh, stand up and argue and say, listen, we're not a political party. We're not looking for political um, activism. Uh, so how do you then um, influence the political trajectory of this country if you are not going to be a political party and uh, maybe become just a civil society organization? Yeah, so, so, so that's definitely where we started, uh, Aubrey. So the idea was, how do you build a non-partisan civic movement that is able to push and pursue very specific objectives? And you know, I'm hoping we can cover some of the things that are contained yeah. in our proposal. But the more we engaged with uh, professionals and, and young people, one of the questions that kept on being asked was, but who are you asking that they should do all of these things? Because, uh, you know, the, the, the other fear that people raise is there is just enough, there is enough armchair commentators, mm. right? So there's think tanks, there's all of this, but who are we suggesting that they should go into government, get their hands dirty and fix any of these things that all of us are proposing? So we have the situation now where the skills, the skill set is sitting in private sector, 
but the areas where the skills are required the most is in public sector. So it is as if the most skilled South Africans have entrusted the most complex job which is done in the country to the least skilled people. So part of our challenge, I mean, it's work in progress. We are trying to figure out what is it going to take to bridge this gap? Because until we have the skilled people who are in private sector, finding public work attractive, and, and we can have a very different conversation about why it's not attractive today. But until we solve that, uh, the, the, rest, the rest of what we're dealing with is just really kicking the can down the road. Is it really a matter of a a lack of skills in governance? Um, And I suppose you've got some sort of data to corroborate that. I'm thinking now about the fact that in Guazulu-Natal, not too long ago, we heard that something like 76% of the people that were running a particular municipality couldn't really read a balance sheet. They couldn't. So so I, I hear that. But is it really a matter of a lack of skills that we are dealing with or it's, is it perhaps a, a misalignment in terms of what government is supposed to do in terms of the constitution, in terms of the laws that flow from that constitution uh, and an ideological disjuncture? Is it really about skills? I argue, uh, Mr. Mohanwa, that that sometimes I get the sense that the reason why we had state capture was not because people are unskilled or unintelligent, but because they simply had a different uh, set of priorities, and that was to create a parallel state, uh, to create a, and it was done very, very uh, meticulously, if I could say so. Uh, that these are not unskilled people, it's just people that have a different set of priorities than what the constitution and the law requires from them. That, that is a fair argument, but you know, to your point, data suggests otherwise, right? So today of the, let's call it about 250 or so different mis- municipalities, uh, you know, more than 200 of them are dysfunctional or close to dysfunctional, Right. Uh, and to your point, you have people who are supposed to be running some of these municipalities. Some of them do not even understand the income statement. They don't understand the revenue generation, right? So uh, these municipalities over time, they're talking about, you know, uh, putting them under administration. But where I agree with you, Aubrey, is the issue is not so much, it's not only governance and skills required, but what you are saying is also some of this may just be the intentions, right? So uh, in, in our discussions, we talk about uh, two legs. One is on public policy. So, you know, you have heard about talks of a policies that support a developmental state, which you know, the problem with the ANC is they've vulgarized many of these things. There is actually a space for a developmental state. And a developmental state is, will be a lot more interventionist uh, in specific areas, uh, but that's, a, that's the policy space. Uh, so we need to sort that out. But definitely there is a skills and governance issue. So if you take, for example, what has been uh, you know, the case of the eight other provinces versus Western Cape, right? 
in there, yes, you are right. Maybe it's not just an issue of skills. There's also also a matter of political will. But Obi, I'll tell you, because my background is in banking, uh, I'll give you uh, and it's anecdotes. I get that. I can tell you that for my time when I was in banking, I part of my job was to go and try and pursue provincial banking. So we want to bank uh, as many provinces as possible. I can tell you that if I went to the Western Cape and I wanted to talk about their growth opportunities and I speak to a person who's responsible for tourism there, they will have the qualifications, they will have the skills, and they will be very clear about where they are looking for tourists. And they will talk about, we want to set up an office in New York or in London because we understand from data that that's where the visitors come from. And then, of course, you can pick any other province uh, that is being governed by a different party. And when you get there, you don't get the people with the right skills. You don't get the people with the right qualifications, the right experience. You don't get the level of granularity. Now, one way of looking at it is someone may say, oh, okay, so the DA governs better. And often when people say that, I think often that's a proxy for white people govern better. Now, if you wanted to demystify the idea that white people govern better, the question you should ask is, if Mr. X, who, who I met in the Western Cape, has got certain skills and certain experience, the question should be, are there black people who meet the same profile? And 10 out of 10 times, I'm not even going to say 9 out of 10 times, yes, there are definitely, you can't have a country that is uh, more than 85% black and you tell me you can't find skilled South Africans. I never bought that argument. But the question then becomes, where are, let's call them the black skilled people that should be working in ANC government? And the answer is simple, Aubrey. The ANC cadres don't want skilled people in because their argument is you've got many other options. Why are you here competing for the same options with us? And this is how people end up being killed. So, and for until we solve that problem, we are going to, you know, the problem with South Africa is many issues that are human and social, they ultimately end up carrying a racial connotation. And actually, if you unpack the issues, you'll realize that the ANC has been terrible, shocking, at enabling black-skilled people to be able to join and help govern. So it goes back to the theory that I put forward to you to say that, so the problem is not a problem of a lack of skill. It's a problem of a lack of... um, of, deplo- of deploying the right people to the right sort of uh, um, places. So it's not, the problem is not a lack of skill. Uh, Absolutely. I, 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 I'll, I'll agree with that. I, I, yeah. I argue. So, so, so what actually is the problem? The, the problem is, uh, uh, so, so to your point, it becomes a vicious circle, right? So you've got gatekeepers. The gatekeepers have got their own agenda, and therefore they are not opening up opportunities for those with skills. 
But until you've got the people with skills, you're not going to come up with the innovative ideas required to build a better South Africa. But the question then, Aubrey, is where do you break this cycle? And in South Africa, we have chosen that democracy is a way of breaking this cycle, right? And that democracy is not going to be able to solve the issues we have for as long as more and more skilled people say they are not interested in politics. Because we have been solving, and we've got a concept, we call it white tax. You'll be familiar with black tax. But we think there's white tax, and what do we call white tax? White tax is all of these things that, Aubrey, your tax should already have been sufficient to cover for these things, but you're busy solving for them yourself. You're solving for private education, private security, private energy. Next thing is private water, private medical aid, right? So until you can't say I'm not interested in politics because in our view, politics is very much interested in you. So where do we break this cycle? We break the cycle by, by getting rid of the current gatekeepers who clearly have got a very different agenda. So how does citizens do that? How does citizens do that? And is citizens a political party? What are you? What, what exactly are you? So citizens is actually less obsessed about the... the so the, the, the obsession of citizens is how do you get more South Africans to realize that their power sits with them, right? Whether it is voting power or spending power, we can have a very different discussion around people, how people can use their, their spending power. And you also have got knowledge power. So the first prize for us as citizens is we actually do not care much which party you belong to. But for heaven's sake, do something. Get up and ask questions. You know, ask questions of your party. Ask them for clarity of their policies. Ask them to say, do you have the people with the right skills? Because if, if we can achieve that, if we can have the comrades in the ANC starting to ask the right questions, the people in the DA starting to show that we need transformation. Uh, and until we sort out things like transformation, we are all just wasting time. So we are focused on enabling people through education, through policy documents, through really the art of critical thinking. So being able to see two sides and being able to understand much of what we have to deal with is compromises. So that's the first prize for us, Aubrey. Now, at so, the same so, time, so, so we what, what are you? Are, are you a, a, a civil society movement? In other words, we, are, civil, we are a civil society movement, right, definitely. So, so you're not necessarily going to be putting up candidates to uh, to be voted for. We are not. So th- that is not our priority. But at the same time, we are concerned by a growing number of undecided voters. Because that for us suggests that there are many voters who are saying, despite having more than 200 registered parties in South Africa, just because you've got a lot of options does not have you, that does not mean you've got good options. Mm-hmm. You can have a lot of options, but bad options. So what we decided to do is to keep the option 
of choosing to contest elections if at a point in time we feel that is necessary, right? But uh, everyday work, I can tell you, is not on, uh, you know, worrying about uh, necessarily the next elections. Our main concern is how do we get more South Africans giving a damn about this country and figuring out what little they can do within their own personal space, wherever they are, and we give them the necessary information, the education, the ability to use their knowledge and skills to contribute towards building a better South Africa. That's our goal. When did you, when did you launch? Did, did, was there a launch? Who's the leadership? Where are you? What does your uh, footprint look like? So the work we have been doing, so the official launch we did was uh, on the 15th of January, uh, and all of that was done online, right? Because our primary target is the professionals, and professionals are not the biggest segment. Of course, if you wanted to win popular votes, you are not going to get there by, even if you convince all the professionals to vote for you, that will not give you the popular vote. But what they are saying to us, is they are busy dealing life, right? So what they are saying to us is, give me access through convenient means. So a lot of them engage with us through our website on citizens.org, and there we contain, you know, you'll find all the details about what we, what we think should be priorities for South Africa. We continue to produce content that they consume that is on the usual social media channels and YouTube and on Twitter, but our focus is, is education. Now, clearly, what we do not have uh, is the wide physical footprint that is, that is required to be able to compete with what you've been saying is the four, four big parties. But we think that's changing because one of the things we argue is the IEC has to enable more and more digital engagement, and we think at some point it probably will even extend to voting online. So you can't time these things. You can't say I'm waiting for them to happen, and only then I will join. We are going to be spending time lobbying and educating people, and these developments will find, will find us uh, along the way. What about your model is Afri Forum like? Because, um, you know, I, I, I'm still looking for a, for a similarity between yourselves and Afri Forum, and I can see other uh, civil civil organizations, civic organizations that may look like you guys. I'm thinking here about the Ravonia Circle, for example, or um, Outer, or, or at least all of these. Uh, Civil society movements are focused on a particular issue that uh, that they are perhaps uh, dealing with. But what is it about your 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 model that is like like every forum? So, so the the, the, the elements we like are this uh, Aubrey. So the elements we like. So I, you know, if you if you search for for details on membership on Afri Forum, you'll find. The last details we saw was Afroforum has got around about 300,000 members, right? And, uh, and, but despite 300,000 members, of course, will not win new elections. 
But we know about Forum, despite that it has about 300,000 members. So the first key similarity for us is when we said we are primarily going after professionals, is we are consciously saying, even if all professionals supported what we think are priorities, that will still not be sufficient to be able to win popular vote, but you might not have the numbers, but you might have the quality. That's the element we like, to say, you know, under normal circumstances, an organization that has 300,000 members should be insignificant in South Africa. But we all know about AfriForum, despite having such a low number relative to the size of political parties. So that's but, the similarity. But, 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 once, again, but once again, Mr. Mohan, AfriForum will, will stand on a hill and say, we're not a political party. Show us yes. anywhere where we've tried to... To, to gain the popular vote. We see ourselves as a civil society a movement, a conservative uh, civil society movement that is Afrikaner-based, but we, we help other people uh, from other communities and so forth, but we are not looking for the popular vote. Whereas in your case, you're saying that you've given yourselves the option of going into politics in the classical sense for, for looking for the popular vote. Uh, that's not what AfriForum does. No, no, I, of course, of, of course, you, so your question earlier, Aubrey, was what about you is similar to Afroforum, right? Indeed, yeah. Uh, and, and so that part I have answered to say you can have a base of about 300,000 to 500,000 and you can be able to make a difference, right? And then, of course, there are differences with Afriforum, right? So you have mentioned some of them, which is, you know, they, they are not trying to contest, uh, you know, uh, popular vote, right? Uh, but for us, uh, the question we had to answer is when many of the, the issues, including transform, social transformation issues, requires political intervention. Now, Afriforum may argue that they don't believe they will ever have sufficient uh, of, you know, supporters to be able to win popular vote. But we think we can over time, right? So we said we are going to put our hands up and say we are not just a think tank. We are so committed to what we say, we believe so much in what we are saying, that if we ever had to roll up our sleeves and get our hands dirty and do the work, we are prepared to go that far. You know, so, 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 is, isn't, so your, isn't your isn't your 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 model similar to that of, uh, let's say, Outer or Ravonia Circle or or even Boza by by Musim Maimani? The the reason why I'm asking this is I'm I'm interested in your uh, in your preference that your model is like that of Afri Forum. Uh, what is it about AfriForum that is so appealing to uh, citizens that you would want to be, at least in terms of the model, be associated with them? So, so the, the difference between us, you know, we, so the difference the political parties. This is where this is where we we differ, right? The new political parties are trying to compete with the existing top four at the top four strengths, right? 
Aubrey, I can't challenge you to a duel of any sort. And I say to you, but by the way, you can't play to your strengths, right? Let's have this fight at my strength. The current political model adopted by the big four parties, it's actually too expensive and it's actually the best, the best breeding ground for state capture because politics in South Africa today is highly expensive for the size of the country we have. I, I would estimate that something, someone like a, an ANC in this coming elections will spend more than $3 billion because if, if it is true that for an internal contest uh, there is mention of more than a billion spent, how much is going to be spent on, on national elections? And the question is who's funding that and what do they expect in return? So we don't believe that it is the best approach for the new parties to try to compete with the old parties at their current strength. The thing we like about the Afri Forum model is you can have a sizable base that can have influence but may not necessarily win new popular vote. Afri Forum, uh, good or bad, has a very clear constituency that it serves. Very, very clear. They, yeah. they serve a largely Afrikaner, white uh, uh, um, constituency from whence they get their funding. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, and of course, they do uh, assist other groupings. I mean, we saw with the Meiwa family, with the, uh, with the uh, Gabriel Engels family and, and so forth. Uh, they will help uh, other communities, but theirs really is to focus on uh, uh, on assisting their community, their group, their uh, that's that's what their success comes from. They they they're very focused in that sense, and that's why they are able to uh, get the mobilisation of funding and support and so forth. What is your constituency and? Again, I'm going back to the fact that you've used Afri Forum as the model that uh, that you guys are most akin to. Who is your constituency in the same way that Afri Forum's constituency is largely Afrikaner and, and conservative? I, I like the question because I think it clarifies our focus. So, 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 so much of what we what we're dealing with in South Africa is tribalism, right? So, so, in fact, I would argue that even what we call racism is another form of tribalism, right? So Afroforum has got a tribe, and these are not bad words, by the way. So Afroforum has got a tribe that, that they serve. But it is worrying that much of the tribes in South Africa, when we think tribalism, you either think about, about race or around ethnic lines. There is nothing wrong with being a member of a tribe. But true reconciliation in South Africa is only going to happen when we start to define new tribes and those tribes don't follow the typical uh, ethnic or race lines, right? And this is why we have this obsession around getting professionals engaged. Because the nice thing about professionals is actually in many ways Professional self-define, right? We've heard about definitions like things like middle market. No one has ever, I've never come across anyone who self-defines as middle market.
but people self-define as professionals. And and what they mean by it is I've got the training, I've got the education, I've got the skills, and I want to contribute towards building a better South Africa, right? Until we start to have cross-race tribes and cross-ethnic tribes, uh, we we never going to achieve the reconciliation that we are talking about. And so therefore our target, to your question, our target is to engage professionals in South Africa. And those professionals fall within different traditional tribes. Traditional tribes in the classical sense. Where, in the classical yeah. sense of white, black, yeah. Zulu, Kosa, sure. Pedi. Uh, where, where are the things that bring us together under a different tribe as South Africans gotcha. other than when we are celebrating Springboks gotcha. and we think professionals is one of the options so 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 I was going to say that tribes in the classical sense are are made up and are pulled together by certain either cultural ethnic or even color um, uh, absolutely issues, right absolutely and you're saying to me that yours is to try and and, and build a new tribe on the basis of professionalism, right? Absolutely. Do professionals share that kind of of thinking that they are, they can themselves be, be a tribe? And by the way, let me invite professionals to join us in this conversation. My guest is Jan uh, Mohanwa, and he is the leader of a platform, a movement called Citizens. Uh, they are non-membership based, but theirs is to try and catalyze and be catalytic to a conversation, a political conversation that is going to create more active citizens, that is going to uh, create a tribe of professionals. If you're a professional, you consider yourself a professional. Is this kind of grouping one that would appeal to you? And having said that, Mr. Morano, are you not therefore creating another segregationist elitist group uh, as much as they may uh, coalesce around the idea of being professionals? Is this not yet another way of segregational politics made up of an elite group of people that consider themselves to be professionals? So, so in reality, I mean, so Aubrey, my obsession is studies of human behavior, even though my training is in IT and economics, right? Uh, human beings always form in groups. So you, uh, you gotta, you, you, the starting point has to be human beings will always belong to groups. So your job is how do you encourage the type of groups that progress a particular agenda, right? So, so because by default people will belong to a group. Uh, and, and I think Groups also serve different purposes at a point in time. I mean, in the classical politics studies, you hear of the vanguard, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and, and I mean, even in a country like Singapore, which are, interestingly, everyone also, always seems to point out on you know, how Singapore was built. Uh, Chairman Lee was clear. I need the educated members of society to rise and drive the change we want to see. Because until we do that, actually all the other segments of society will suffer. So our argument is that until the skilled South Africans, which we argue they exist, until they 
they they have the platform to be able to contribute towards building a better South Africa, uh, then we are going we are going we truly are going to be a failed state that people keep on warning us about. And so this is not a malicious or you know a a, a segment based on prejudice. It just says and, and for many of us it is the same South Africa that has invested in us. And we are saying, can we just contribute the skills required to build a better South Africa? What would the contribution of the middle class, um, professional class be? The main thing, Aubrey, is their knowledge, right? So, I mean, let me give you like a, a very simple, uh, you know, uh, case that, that it will resonate with many professionals. I can tell you that a lot of people want to contribute their skills toward building a better South Africa. But I can tell you that some of the people who are even in the group that we are working with in Citizens Now, some of them with PhDs, they have been working for government departments as they've never seen a salary increase in the past eight years. They've never seen a short-term incentive or a long-term incentive. So the problem we have now is joining government has to come at such a big cost to individuals that they're saying, I'm not going to be joining this despite the fact that I want to contribute towards building a better South Africa. So what are they trying to do now? Either they stay in corporate or they start their own practices or their small businesses and all of that. But the problem is we can't keep solving around a dysfunctional system. So that's why our position is how do we create the right environment for professionals to be able to contribute their skills and their knowledge that this country has invested in. It's, it's not about fees and anything yeah. like that. It is really the knowledge base that we are not tapping into because they are gatekeepers. So we've got to get rid of gatekeepers, create conducive you know, working in public sector has to come with the same performance contract culture that you are used to in private sector. It has to come with short-term incentives. It has to come with long-term incentives. The problem we have today is we have a lot of, in, in, in public sector, good people are underpaid, bad people are overpaid. Give us a call, 11 My guest is Jan Mohanwa. He's uh, the national leader of Citizens. Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts about what he proposes as perhaps one of the interventions in our political landscape. Uh, more professionals, more uh, members of the middle class playing a more active role uh, in that space. Njadi Makeitsi says, we tried black management forum and Manyi tried us or tried his. Uh, these guys are desperate. Uh, the triple challenges facing uh, the Republic can't be addressed by one sector says Njadi Magetze and Mulabati Ramui Boni says the professionals always criticize and it ends there. Let me put this to you Mr. Mohanwa and, 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 and give me your, your thoughts. The professionals, the middle class, black or white, are financially encumbered. <laughs> they don't really own anything, but they've got all of the trappings of wealth because they owe the banks for the nice house, the nice cars. Uh, and therefore, their priority is to service those debts in order for them to continue with the 
the creature comforts of middle-class life. And for that reason, they are unable to focus on issues of politics, at least with the urgency and the energy that it would require. Um, and as much as they may want to participate, they are too busy trying to pay off debt. Uh, your thoughts? And I think that's right. I mean, you, you must also understand, so uh, part of where we should have started, I guess, Aubrey, is that there are always three parties at play in how things play out in society. One is big business, the other is politicians, and the other is society, right? Uh, and these three parties have got different incentives. So business is interested in capital accumulation or profit. Politicians are interested in legitimacy or vote maximizing. And society is interested, I would say welfare, but welfare is another vulgarized word, so I'll use prosperity, right? And these parties are always negotiating terms in between. So, you know, your question around middle market, middle market, just like BEE, it was created, especially the black middle market, it was created by big business as a way of creating a buffer as part of, you know, whatever the, polit the political transition that, that happened in 94, right? Uh, so the idea was have more people, black people in, in, in big business, in, 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 in corporates, and then of course, uh, for the politicians, reward them through uh, various BE deals starting with NAIL, which had some of the prominent politicians in it. So that's, that's how, that's how uh, big business uh, rewarded politicians with new legitimacy because the National Party faced a legitimate crisis, but the interest of big business was always on capital accumulation. Now, to come back to the issue of the middle market, the middle market worked for a while. But I can tell you now, if there is one of the segments that continues to contract, and uh, it is actually the middle market, but even the, the people who are already in the middle market, they continue to see decline in their spending power, right? And I spoke earlier about not only black tax, but white tax. So I would argue that in South Africa, most people pay more than 80% in tax even though the highest, highest marginal tax rate is 5%. Why am I saying that? If you include in there the various indirect taxes, that middle market is being squeezed properly. But, but that, and so but, therefore but that people middle market, are... Mr. Mohanwa, let me quickly say this, then I want to take some calls. But that middle market cannot be trusted to be politically active because... You know, we live in suburbs where the DA is running stuff, okay? Uh, some of us vote DA, but we speak EFF or ANC. Uh, we secretly hope that the DA is going to win a particular vote uh, or ward, but actually we want to wear an EFF or DA, I mean, uh, uh, ANC T-shirt. Uh, the point I'm trying to make is that this middle market or this middle class, these professionals cannot be trusted politically because they speak one thing, but they act another. And, and you're right. Remember earlier, Aubrey, we spoke about the two legs of this discussion, which is governance and policy, right? And you have summed it up really well. If you speak to professionals, they will tell you that they will vote DA for local administration and they will vote EFF for policy, 
right? Now, now the, the challenge, and in many ways, I think, you know, it's a debate for another day, but I think there are a lot of similarities between DA and EFF that we can explore. But until, until these professionals find these two things in the same organization, they will continue to split their vote. The way DA is actually not competition for EFF necessarily, DA is competition for poor administration. I am telling you that the day South Africa sorts out much of the administration issues by having people with skills doing administration, that will pose serious challenges for the DA. Where the EFF seems and the reason why EFF has dominated really the politics of the past 10 years is they don't quite have competition when it comes to their policy space, right? In terms of what type of transformative developmental state type, we can disagree with many of their policies, but they have, they have anchored themselves in that space and it is not clear to me uh, who's competing with them in that space. Take so some- I, think, I think professionals, one day, when they find the organization that deals both policy and governance, they will be willing to take an action and, and rise up to be counted. Are you suggesting that citizens will be that formation? Citizens will be one of those formations. I mean, over time, there'll be... Uh, things will, will, you know, there'll be a consolidation, there'll be different things coming together. Uh, we just are interested in the outcome. The, you know, in that, if, if citizens can contribute in any small way towards that transition, we are more than up for it. I want to read you some of the messages that are coming through and, of course, the calls that want to engage with you. Uh, my guest is Mr. Jan Mohanwa. He is the national leader of Citizens. Very interesting approach to the political quagmire uh, that is South Africa. Um, Poke. Uh, says, it's for the first time I hear about this organization, and to me, it makes a lot of sense. I'm definitely sure that it will be successful, says Poke TM. Tsepo on uh, Twitter says, Brobs, uh, don't trust the politicians. Nigeria has 29% infla- inflation and 35% food infla- inflation. The biggest economy in Africa brought down overnight, says Tsepo. Let me go to the lines. Tabang is in Pretoria. Tabang, good evening to you. Good evening, Brobs. Sure. Brobs. I'm happy to tell you that um, one of those professionals who is very much aligned to Dade Morano, um, and I'll tell you a little bit about my career uh, journey. I worked for government uh, first time in 1998 because they were the ones that paid for my um, studies at, at ECT. And I left 2004 because I was one of the first whistleblowers uh, because I have never tolerated uh, corruption mm-hmm. and I've actually never t- tolerated uh, ineptness. And, and I came back in 2010 after, you know, being in private sector and um, working with uh, international uh, NGOs around the world. And ho- thinking that with my, you know, uh, new skills that I've, I've, I'm, I'm bringing from private sector, they would appreciate me, but I Sooner or later, I realized that um, definitely, as Dr. Mohana is saying, um, this 
um, people who are probably uh, ANC aligned or not, I'm not sure, but they just don't value meritocracy at all. Uh, for a person like myself, who I then had to leave in 2018, again, because I realized that uh, the only way now is, the, is this concept that, that Demovana is, is actually uh, putting here. And actually, I can tell you, um, I was intending to contest as an independent until I realized that uh, IEC is actually complicating uh, the, the whole process from uh, finding issues to many other, other issues. They're just complicating it. Mm. If they had simplified uh, the whole thing, I, I'm pretty sure right now they'd be contesting. So, so, a, so a, lot. A, 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 yeah. a, formation, a formation like citizens would, would resonate with you? Ha, a thousand percent. A thousand percent. Um, because and and from your from your perspective, what what specific political reality would it address in the short term? Uh, in the short term, is is actually uh, looking at at already currently existing policies and see which ones are, are are quick wins, the things that we can immediately implement to ensure that we are able to start addressing some of the structural. Uh, problems that um, the ANC-led government has actually um, created, and then the other parties to ultimately ensure that we professionalize um, public service. I've seen nepotism at the highest order in government, and and it's Tabang. no wonder. Thank you very much, my brother. Appreciate uh, your call. Thank you so much. Uh, let me quickly read for you some of the messages also coming in. Um, DA is not is not issue or administrative organized but it is economically, racially on their own agenda. Look at their hierarchy, says this person. Um, uh, yeah, Mr. Mohanwa, what do you make of, of Tabang's uh, contribution? Yeah, I mean, that's why I was saying, you know, Aubrey, you will have plenty of these experiences of, of many, many black people uh, that, are, that, are, that are willing, they are really ready and willing but the environment just does not allow them to contribute their skills. And the pain is the same. The pain, many of us are beneficiaries. No, I don't want to go to the Dinzolo story, but uh, <laughs> it has been overdone. Yeah. And, and, and we are the beneficiaries. I am very much a beneficiary of the political transition. But, and I, I've said this a number of times before, the NC for us is a bit like the uncle that funded your studies but abused you. You know, like you don't quite know how to feel, yep. you know, so, 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 and you want things to be better for the next generation because we are the first generation that tasted the benefits of freedom, right? So, uh, you know, we, we are the miracle generation, but there is just no space. And I, I, I look at some of my peers, people are going on, they are studying their own legal practices accounting practices and all of that. But what they will tell you, Aubrey, is they've started these businesses, they're not getting the briefings, right? So no one is briefing them. Government is not briefing them. Public, uh, private sector is not briefing them because it has not transformed, right? So we are going to have all of these people that have started Yan Mohanwa Inc. and all of this and whatever. At some point, they will all realize that until we fix South Africa, the state and the government, you can't keep on solving yourself away from a dysfunctional uh, uh, government.
government system. Uh, now, we have said that is tantamount to arguing for a cabin upgrade as the Titanic is sinking. There is no point in well, having will, a better room in a sinking ship. Yeah. Will, you, will you be working with some of the other formations that have a similar sort of um, aspiration? Um, you know, people like Baza, people like Mzansi, South Africa, and perhaps even AfriForum itself. Are those organizations uh, within your your radar to work with? Uh, it's going to depend, Aubrey, on their policies, right? So, for example, I mean, you know, some of these entities you have referred to, part of their priorities is, for example, things like climate change. I've got nothing against climate change. I think we need to think about climate change. But it's hard for me to imagine that in a country like South Africa, with many of our challenges today, you will have climate change on the top six or top seven priorities. I, I like, so I struggle with that. Uh, I don't know what is your top priority. So the first priority is transformation, right? So, and in transformation, I mean, there are a number of elements. So, for example, on the issue of spatial planning and land and all of that, our suggestion is actually the debate around land expropriation with compensation. Without compensation, it's actually not providing sufficient clarity. We think expropriation of land should be at cost. So wherever government needs a piece of land for a developmental purpose, there has to be clarity on how much the government will pay because every time, and I've had examples of government procured land for how train, Aubrey, government overpaid for land for how train, right? So the expropriation we think should be at cost. If you paid nothing for it, you get nothing for it. So that's an example. We say, for example, you need to scrap grants. We are a child grant, not, I must be careful here, not all grants. So you need to scrap the child grant and you need to scrap the 350 rand grant. What you then need to do, so the total of those, so child grant is about 76 billion, the 350 grant is about 34 billion. What you then think, we think you need to do, Aubrey, is to say, I will pay the people who are unemployed about a thousand five hundred but in the spirit of accountability you need to work a set a set number of hours in public service or community service so you so, need so to earn the thousand five hundred and use it to look after your children yeah. we, we've run we've run out of time but uh, i can tell you this uh, it's a very interesting proposal that you are making to the south african political landscape and uh, i hope to hear more about you uh, in the future jan mohano is national leader of citizens how do people get in touch with you if they want to talk to you uh, thank you so much for the opportunity so we are on citizens.org citizens with a za and in there you can contact us we've got uh, the policy proposals you can give input per policy proposal or general input and you can also the details are contact our emails they are all there so we are available online